Well, good morning, Oakwood. Welcome to part two of our series called We Can Work It Out. And in the, in the spirit of the Beatles, right? Uh, we can work it out. All things are possible with God. Uh, focusing this series on uh, marriage, but again, I want to remind everybody that this is really about relationships and, and everything that is uh, being, being talked about today is applicable to all areas of your life. And so if you're uh, not married or, or, or maybe you know that's in your future, or maybe God's going to use you to advise a friend this week that's married or, or any of those things, be open to the Spirit's uh, leading in, the, in, the God, in God's voice in your life today. Let's begin as we have this year. Um, every time we come to uh, this time in our service, let's pray for the Lord to speak to us. So just giving you a moment this morning to bow your head, close your eyes, and just pray, Lord, today, speak to me. And believing that, all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, marriage is a hot topic. It's all over our culture. There's a lot of things you can do nowadays. You go to marriage conferences and stuff. There was a church in New York City uh, that was actually having um, um, some conferences uh, for marriage with wives and husbands together and having uh, separate things. They had a thing for the wives through the women's ministry and the men's ministry got together and uh, they were having a conference and they were uh, talking through some things. And at the conference, they had a guest speaker, but the pastor there at the church decided, I want some of our congregation members to come up and kind of give a testimony. And there was an older gentleman in their congregation whose name was Luigi. And, and Luigi uh, was about to celebrate his 50th anniversary with his wife. And so the pastor had talked to him ahead of time and said, I'd really like for you to come up and just give us some words of wisdom. And then the guys were really excited, and so they decided to do that. So he invited Luigi up. He said, Luigi, tell us, you know, you're, you're about to celebrate 50 years of marriage with your wife. Tell us uh, what, what it's been like. Give us some advice. Give us some wisdom. Tell us, well, what, you know, how can we stay married as long as you have and enjoy our marriage with our wives? And Luigi, and I'll try to do my best Italian accent because he was Italian. He said, well, you know, I, he says, I try to love her. He says, I, I try to buy her a nice thing sometimes. I try to uh, take her uh, to a dinner. And uh, for our 25th anniversary, I took her to uh, Italy. And, and, and the guys were like, wow, so, you know, you really treated her. You continued to date her. The pastor was, was excited, and he came up and said, Luigi, that is amazing. That's great um, advice and wisdom for us to continue to love our wives and to treat them to things. And, and man, you got your 50th anniversary coming up here for your 25th. You, you uh, took her to Italy. You know, what are you guys going to do to celebrate your 50th anniversary? And he says, I'm going to go pick her up. Well, we might have a goal here at Oakwood that is even higher than that. We want you to be married 50 years, living in the same country, okay? So, but no, uh, it, it's good to uh, be able to talk about marriage. It's God's design. Last week, we went back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis and saw how God brought Adam and Eve together. But there were issues in chapter 3, right? Chapter 2, um, Adam and Eve, and then we get to chapter 3, and we're already dealing with some, some issues there, and... It's, it's one of those things that uh, it, it is one of life's greatest joys, marriages, but it's also one of life's greatest challenges. And uh, what, what's great about, about life, and, and I'm sure that most of you are here this morning because you are actually seeking God's direction in your life. You actually uh, come to church on Sunday morning, and I shared this in first service as well, is you come to church on Sunday morning and, and, and you are seeking God's direction. You want what he wants for your life. And some of you, you've tried it your way, you've tried going the way of the world, you've tried going your own way, maybe you've made some decisions in your life that you regret, and so you're here and you're seeking His 
direction. And that is a good thing because we're reminded in Scripture that Satan and his end game is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. It says that in John 10.10. But at the end of that, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And that's what we want, right? I mean, how many of you all want to live an abundant life this morning? Abundant life people? Okay, good. Everywhere, hands everywhere. You know, how many of you want a good life? How many of you want to be happy at some point in your life? You know, we learn these things from Scripture that if we go God's way, it is the best way. It's the best way in life. And some of us have had to maybe learn that the hard way. But as we apply this to marriage this morning, I want you to also understand that great marriages go God's way. Great marriages go God's direction. And the passage of Scripture we're going to be talking about this morning really has some deep um, and meaningful applications for for our marriage life. Because I want you to remember this this morning, and and be encouraged in this, okay? When it comes to marriage and when it comes to life, when it comes to marriage and life, God is more concerned with your direction than your perfection. Okay? Sometimes we get so caught up in being perfect and we're going to get everything just right. Hey, we're not going to get everything just right. Everybody look at your spouse right now and say, hey, we're not going to get it right all the time, right? As, yeah, we, we need some forgiveness. There. I'm not, you, know, you just admit it, guys. Just say, I'm not right all the time. I'm, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm wrong and I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> but we're not about the perfection of it, but we've got to be moving in God's direction. And God gives us instructions throughout Scripture, many passages on relationships and, and things, but especially on marriage. And today we're going to be looking at um, a, a passage that isn't really specifically about marriage, but it's about communication, and it's about a Christian and godly response. Because I really believe we can work it out. We can work things out in our life when we yield our heart and, and our mind and our will to God And we see him in the proper place. that He's the master of the universe. He's the creator of all things. He is high and mighty and lifted up. And trust me, anything is possible with God. Anything is possible with God. He has the power to change lives, to change directions, to save marriages, and to help you have a great marriage today. So if you would, I want you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, that's toward the end of your Bible. If you want to follow along in the uh, app, you can do that on your phone or on your tablet this morning. And it has all the scriptures there. This morning, I'm going to be reading from the NIV, the New International Version. I, I, we usually do everything in the ESV, the English Standard Version, but I liked the wording of the NIV. And to be honest with you, um, I, I memorized a lot of today's passage as a child and I kept messing it up trying to read it in the ESV. So we're going to go NIV uh, this morning. i got my old NIV Bible out. But James chapter 1, beginning with verse 19. Now we're going to read a part of this uh, passage of Scripture together. And then we're, we're going to kind of pause. I'm going to talk about that. And then we'll finish it later. So be sure to, to keep your Bible open here to James chapter 1. But beginning with verse 19, it says this. It says, my dear brothers and sisters. And so this is for all of the believers, okay? Brothers and sisters, men and women alike. My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Okay, so if you're taking notes this morning, here's a cue from Scripture. It says, hey, take note here. Okay, here, here it is. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And you may say, if you're one of those people like me, you're like, why? Why? Well, well the writer here, he gives us the answer right there in the next verse. He says, because human anger... When we behave in this pattern that is a responsiveness from human anger, does not produce the righteousness, the holiness, the set-apartness that God desires. And then verse 21 says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, 
and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. That word it's talking about there is the very word of God. It's the Holy Scriptures that we base our life on. So I want us to, to learn and glean from this this morning. Uh, what does God want and, and how does this passage going to help us in relationships, especially in our marriages? The first thing is this. It says that everyone should be quick to listen. Everyone. Just someone? No. Everyone. Just husbands? No. Wives too. Everyone. Uh, just, just, just the people that are mature Christians? No. Everyone. Everyone should be quick to listen. This, this, this word quick here gives us an idea of being swift and being ready. Being ready to, to receive it. Being quick to listen. Have you ever heard the saying before, and maybe your mom said this to you, or maybe your school teacher where it says, well, you have two ears and one mouth, and that's because you're supposed to listen twice as much as you talk. Okay? Have you ever, and if you ever thought about that, you're like, yeah, God didn't give us two mouths and one ear. It was two ears and one mouth, and, and maybe the design there was that we would listen more than we speak, that we would be quick to listen. And notice that it doesn't say here. It doesn't say merely hear. You know, be, be quick to hear. It says to actually, there's a chosen word there that's a little bit different than the word hear when we translate that from Greek to, to English. And the difference here is that hearing requires only the ears and that listening actually requires the mind and the heart. That when we listen to someone, we listen for what? We listen for understanding. We listen to them to remember. You see, in hearing, we could then forget. We, in hearing, we could say, ah, I heard what you said, but you know, we don't really contemplate it. You know, if you've heard the term, maybe it goes in one ear and out the other. That's hearing. You know, it's like, yeah, I heard what you said, but I didn't really pay attention to it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm sure not going to dwell on it. And, 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 and yet, it's like, okay, well, well, hearing, but we're called here in Scripture to listen, to remember, to understand, to contemplate here. And most people, I think, appreciate being listened to husbands let's let's talk for for just a moment here your wife does she appreciate when you listen to her and when you listen to her that you would actually maybe be able to repeat back some things that she said to you that to show that you're listening that you're hearing or to be able to give a response back that says you know what i understand where you're coming from i understand how you're feeling i understand what you're thinking about I understand your, your fears. I understand your, your failures. I, under, I understand what your concerns are. And, and it's good for us to listen. Because if we just hear, if we don't listen with our hearts, listen with our minds, guys, that can get us in a lot of trouble, right? Everybody say, oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. All right, honey, are you listening? You got the remote control in one hand, facing the TV. She's talking. And what's going on? Oh, yeah, honey. Yeah, honey. Yeah. And she doesn't feel what? She, you'd say, well, she didn't feel heard, right? She didn't feel heard. Why? Because we were not really tuned in. We, we heard, but we didn't listen. We didn't understand. We didn't seek to, to hear her from our heart. And when we do this, when we do this and, and when we fail to listen, there's really three common problems that, that, that crop up. And I think everybody will agree, agree with these because you've probably felt this at some point, especially if, if you're married. The first thing uh, that, that pops up when we don't listen is that we misinterpret. Sometimes we, we uh, misinterpret what they said. And that's why oftentimes I encourage couples that are having communication problems to listen to the other person and then repeat back with a, with a line like this. So what I hear you saying is this. And then you kind of give an interpretation of what they're saying. And it's really good for communication because then they can say, yes, that's what I said. Thank you for listening. 
Thank you for that validation. Or they can say, no, that's not what I meant. Those may have been my words, but what I meant by that was this. And you can, you know the English language. You know how this works. Sometimes people say something like, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean what I said there. I meant it to, to be this way. And so there's good communication there. But sometimes when we don't listen and we're just hearing, we're just going on with our life, we misinterpret what they say. The second thing is sometimes we jump to conclusions. Sometimes it's really easy for us to just jump to conclusions. It's like, it's like you know, I, I didn't really listen to you fully. I didn't hear with my head. I didn't hear with my heart. And so I jumped to this conclusion. Well, what you're saying is that we always, and, and what, what you're saying is that, that I never, and it's like, no, 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 that's not what I was saying. And you weren't, you weren't listening to me. If you were listening to me, you would understand what I'm trying to to say, and again, there's broken communication there. And the third thing when we fail to listen is we demonstrate a lack of respect. We demonstrate a lack of respect to our partner that what they say doesn't matter. What you say doesn't matter. This is more important than this. I'm focused on, on this. And, and I have a problem with this personally. You can ask my wife about this. She'd probably own this for me a million times over. It's like I kind of have ADD or ADHD. I don't know what you want to classify me as, but I'm always thinking ahead. And so it's hard for me to stay in the moment, right? Stay in the moment and not be thinking about the next thing or the next thing I want to say or how I want to respond. And like, it's really hard for me. And I have to really tell myself that it's time to take a step back and it's time to listen. And the advice from scripture here says what? Says, hey, be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Listen more than what you speak. Be quick to listen. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, in the wisdom literature of the Bible says it this way. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. How many of you want to be characterized by folly and shame? Nobody. Nobody wants to be, be, be shamed. No one wants to say, well, I'm a person that likes to, likes to um, you know, have folly follow me in my life. And it's because if one gives an answer before he hears, quick to listen. Quick to listen. The second thing it says there is that everyone, yes, everyone, everyone, both sides of the marriage, yeah, everyone, husbands and wives, everyone should be slow to speak. And so we are quick to listen, but it also says there that everyone should be slow to speak because you can't talk and listen at the same time. And if some of you think you can do that, you just think you can do that. You actually can't do that. You, you, you actually cannot talk, cannot talk and listen at the same time. And if you want your spouse to feel loved, respected, and I'll use this term again, heard, then the way to do that, and being heard is a good thing. I never have couples come in and say, man, he, he really hears me and understands me, and I hate that. You know, you, you, we don't get those complaints, and so feeling heard is a good thing. If you want them to feel heard, then you be slow to speak. You slow back in your responses. Sometimes it's just best to be silent. I think country music guy wrote something about that. You say it best. When you say nothing at all, right? The scripture here doesn't. Now, now I want you to. Now, the scripture here doesn't say to be completely silent, right? It doesn't say silencio. It just says it doesn't say, "Hey, be silent, never speak." It says, "No, no, no, just be slow to speak." And it gives this idea of hesitancy. That's actually what the Greek word for slow there means. It means to be inactive, to be dull in mind, to arrive at slowly with hesitancy, so that you would actually be hesitant to speak what's on your mind when you're communicating with your spouse. And this implies that you would actually be thoughtful, that you would actually be prayerful in your response to your spouse. But when we fight or when we communicate and when the, when the uh, energy or the fire is turned up a little bit, what is, what is our, our response so many times? It's what? 
It's not slow, right? It's not thoughtful. It's hardly prayerful. What's our response? It's quick and emotional, right? And that's why we get into fighting and disagreements in marriages. No one's thinking before they talk. No one's really listening. No one's being quick to listen. And there's no slow to speak because we're just at each other, at each other, throw it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it's really hard to communicate that way. And sometimes I think it's just time to call a time out. Now, I'm going to give you a memory today. How many people in here, this is probably more for, for the guys and the ladies, but how many of you in here know the name or know the person Dick Vitale? Anybody in here know Dick Vitale? Raise your hand high. Hold it high. Dick Vitale. Okay. Many of you. Now, many of you don't know who Dick Vitale is, so I'll tell you because you haven't been, you know, um, introduced to a channel called ESPN, okay? He is an anchor on ESPN for college basketball, and Dick Vitale goes way back. I, I want to say I first heard him maybe in the 80s or 90s. He's been, he's been a, 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 a sideline analyst for basketball for many years, and I love Dick Vitale. He has a very unique style. He has a very unique way he says things. He's really funny, very entertaining, and a lot of people like to listen to Dick Vitale. They call him Dickie V. You know, it's like, hey, Dickie V on the sideline report. So I'm going to do an impersonation this morning because my wife loves it when I do this, and so do my girls, and... Uh, I think it's funny, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> but, but when Dick Vitale speaks, he'll say something like this. So picture an NCAA basketball game, college basketball game, D1. He's uh, on the sideline on the mic, and you're hearing his voice, and somebody goes in for a dunk, you know, for this team, and he'll be like, oh, baby, he's a Skywalker. Yeah, he is. Look at him climb the stairs all the way to the top, baby. And that's what he does. And if you, was that a good impersonation? Somebody, oh, there. And some of you have never heard him. Now you're going to look him up and listen to you know, YouTube or something with him. But he does this thing, and he's a really good analyst. He's been around basketball a lot of times. And if you, if you know basketball, you know basketball is a game of runs. This team scores seven, this team scores four, and then this team goes off for 12. And, and so he understands basketball. He understands it's a game of runs. He's seen enough basketball through the years to actually be able to um, analyze it well. And there's something that he says. Uh, we'll say that one team was ahead, and now they're behind by two. And then the team gets another steal, and now they're down four. And then they hit a three. Now they're down seven. And Dickie V will say something like this. He'll be, hey, coach, it's time for a T.O., baby. It's time for a T.O. And what he's saying there is time for a timeout. And what's funny is as soon as he says that in the microphone, guess what happens? The college coach says timeout, right, because they're trying to stop the progress. Okay, I'm giving you to that as a memory this morning, especially for those of you that know Dickie V, or uh, you know, now you'll remember him, is that sometimes it's time for a timeout before you speak. Is that we need to be quick to listen, we need to slow to speak, and so maybe next time you're in a conversation, heated or not, with your spouse, you can remember, I need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, it's time for a deal, baby, it's time for a timeout. Because in that moment of timeout, we can think about our response. We can make sure we're listening and not just hearing, but listening and processing and understanding what that person is saying. I'll, I'll again talk to the men in here. It is a wonderful thing when your wife says that you understand. And when you're slow to speak and slow to respond sometimes, you're saying you understand. And for you ladies, this is a two-way street. There are times where you need to do the exact same thing, where, where you need to be slow in your response and hear what he's saying. Because sometimes we just don't put the words together like you do. We're not the word craft that you, you are. And, and sometimes it's good for you to be slow to respond. Because I find that many times when we're quick to respond, it's for a reason. It's because there's anger behind it. 
And that's when communication falls apart in, in marriages sometimes, is when this becomes the pattern. Is I'm trying to talk and make you understand. You're trying to talk and make me understand, but we are not understanding anything because we are not communicating. We're not able to do that. When we respond quickly with words, when we speak with urgency, most of the time I find that urgency is caused by anger. It's because we're having feelings, anger and frustration. It says, I want a quick response and I want to pound it into you and I want you to know how I feel. And so there's this urgency with it. And I think what they're saying here in the scripture to us is that we need to be slow to speak so that we can think through what we're going to say and that we don't respond in anger. Now, anger in and of itself is not sin. The Bible never calls it sin, but it says that it can lead to sin. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, in your anger, do not sin. And so we need to watch that response. And that really leads us to to the the, the last point of the passage. But before we get there, Proverbs 12, 18, another piece of wisdom literature says this. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Think about that. Rash words. Not being slow to speak, not thought out, just come out your mouth trying to attack the other person, are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Most of you would say, I want healing in my marriage. I want a good relationship here. Be careful with those rash sword thrusts. And some of you, if you're honest this morning, you had one of those. You had that moment, and maybe it was years ago. And you said something that you wish you could take back. Because it really hurt. It was thrusting a sword right into your spouse's heart. And every time you fight now, that thing comes up, doesn't it? It's become a cycle in your life. And it's because you were not slow to speak. The third thing it says for everyone this morning is that we should be slow to anger. Everyone should be slow to anger. Now, building on this this concept of this from last week, I want to uh, revisit this. The anger is usually caused when our expectations are met with disappointment from reality, right? And so if we can put that graphic back up from last week that we talked about, we have these marriage expectations, and then all of a sudden because we have these high and lofty expectations and we get our expectations from online, we had all these expectations, and then we get the reality of marriage, there's this gap in between, we call it the valley of death, or the valley of disappointment, or the valley of the disgruntled couple that's not communicating anymore, whatever you want to call it, there's this gap between the expectations we have and the reality. And a lot of times, somewhere in that gap is where anger begins to show its ugly head. And this, again, building on last week's teaching, this anger is a reaction that flows out of what? We talked about last week, out of selfishness. Because it's about me. It's about my needs getting met. And it's about what you are doing to me. And we become, you know, sometimes these little me monsters that's only concerned mostly about me. And we become extremely selfish. And oftentimes when our expectations aren't met and we're getting in the selfish mode, guess what happens? We get angry. We need to make sure that anger is not the reaction. Now the scripture obviously says and understands that people are going to get angry. So somebody's going to say something to you that's going to make you mad. Your spouse sometimes can be one of the worst ones. They know you so well. They know what to say to get under your skin and to amp you up to anger really, really fast. But it's all depending on how we handle ourselves. Are we yielding, once again, to God's direction in this, or are we going to go our own way? And if we have gone our own way, how's that working out for you? Not good, right? Right, because so many times we're tempted and we're lured away by sinfulness. Now, I do want to make sure that we understand, not 
all anger is sinful. There's a couple times in the Bible where it seems like Jesus was, was angry. You remember the time in the temple where they had turned the temple. It wasn't a, being a house of worship. It wasn't being a place where the word was proclaimed. They turned it into this den of, of thieves and robbers. And they were selling stuff and trying to make money off of, off of religion and off of the temple at that time. And Jesus comes in and he was so miffed he braided a, a whip. And then he like started you know, wrapping that whip around table legs and jerking tables and turning them over. And you would say, hey, Jesus was a little bit angry. But in his anger, he did not sin. You see the difference there? And he, and he had an anger that was that what I call righteous anger, a righteous indignation for what wasn't right in the situation. And there are times in life we're going to experience that ourselves. We're going to experience things that we have a deep conviction about from the Lord. And it's okay to be angry about that. But in your anger, in your anger, in your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin, especially against your spouse. Because so many times, anger leads to sin, and that sin that you're about to commit poisons the relationship. It's poison. That sinfulness poisons the relationship, especially marriages. This is the devil's plan. He's crafty. He's good at it. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so that's why we're reminded in Scripture so many times to be slow to anger. Look what it says again, back to wisdom literature in the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29 says, Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Again, you don't want to be classified by folly. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18, it says this, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And some of you, if you're honest this morning, you'd say, man, I'd like to quiet some contention in my marriage because it's so contentious right now. It's like, I just, we just can't seem to get on the same page. And it's because we're hot-tempered. And it's leading to strife. It's leading to bad things in our life. We're not slow to anger. We're quick to anger. We're quick to respond and say that word to our spouse. And Scripture says, hey, listen to each other, but be slow in these other areas. So many times uh, when I give an instruction to my girls, and, and I, I would, I would uh, even say sometimes maybe at work, you know, if you, uh, maybe if you're a, 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 someone who's a manager of people in your workplace, that maybe you give them things that they need to do. And, and what I hate hearing from people, and especially from my daughters, is, well, I'll try. It's like, well, well, I need you to start, you know, clean up your room. I need you to keep it, keep it clean and, and don't have these massive days of eight hours of reconstruction. It's like, let's just keep it clean as we go. I'll try. And I'm like, let's not try. Let's do. You know? And I, I kind of get sick of that. And so that's why I'm in my new line. It's like, hey, hey, don't try. Do. Just do it. Don't try. Just do it. Because nothing will change. And, and back to marriage here, nothing will change in your marriage if nothing changes. If you just, if there's nothing that changes, you got tomorrow, and like, man, we're going to have a better marriage this week, and nothing changes, like you don't become any more quick to listen, any more slow to speak, or any more slow to become angry, nothing's going to change. You just keep in the crazy cycle, keep repeating the same pattern of relating over and over and again, expecting a different result. And so I want to encourage you to make change, to do something different, and don't go in with this attitude, well, I'll try. No, don't try, do just do it. Just make a decision and do it. And, and you may say, why? Well, I want to explain why to you. We're going to look at the rest of our passage here, James chapter 1. One of my favorite verses in Scripture, a verse I memorized at middle school camp when I was a child, was James 1.22, and it says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. 
do what it says. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. Okay, when you look at your face in a mirror, you kind of remember what you look like, right? And it says, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. See, that's, that's like craziness. He, he's giving you an illustration here that sounds so crazy. It's like, really? Is that what happens? Is that you're going to look in the mirror? I mean, a lot of you looked in the mirror this morning. I can tell. And a few of you didn't. That's okay. We love you. God loves you. But most of you looked in the mirror this morning. Why did you look in the mirror? Because you want to make sure you look good. That hair's in place. And for some of you ladies, you got the cosmetics on. I know all about cosmetics because I got four girls in the house. So I know all about that stuff, okay? And you got the makeup. You got those eyelash curl thingy pincher things that are fun to play with. You got all this equipment. And what did you do this morning? You got in front of the mirror. You were like, yeah. You were like, this looks good. And you remember what you look like this morning. You, you remember part of that process. And yet saying here, it's like, this is like a person that goes in there and puts all this work into, yeah, merely hearing, but not doing. And it's like a person that goes and looks at themselves in the mirror and walks away and forgets what they look like. Look at verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law of Scripture that gives freedom and continues in it, continues doing it, not just, just hearing it, but doing it, that continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And I wonder how many people would say, I want to be blessed in what I do. You know, we could do a show of hands this morning. Everybody, everybody in the church, raise their hand this morning. I want to be blessed in what I do. Yeah, I want to be blessed. And so you'll be blessed in what you do when you do what the Scripture says. You don't merely hear it, but you actually do it. You just do it. You do something different. Because nothing will change in your marriage if nothing changes. I'm here to tell you, your, your marriage is worth the fight, the, the tension that will be created because of the war that is within your very soul as to how are you going to respond to Jesus and His call on your life that says, hey, go my way. And go my way because I love you and because it's the absolute best way to go. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. So we're going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I want to end today by reading you another scripture. It's from Matthew chapter 7. I just want you to listen to this as I read it. Jesus has been preaching the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It starts out with the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He goes through this whole list. He tells people how to live. And he talks about relationships in the Sermon on the Mount. Best sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in that, he talks about your relationship with God. He talks about the vertical relationship, but he also gives us a response about horizontal relationships in life. And at the end of the sermon, he ends with a story. He ends with an illustration so that we can all, you know, know what to do about what he's just preached to us in three chapters of the Bible. Here's how he ends that sermon. Therefore, based on all that he's just given us in the sermon on now, therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So the rock foundation, the wise man, he says he built his house upon the rock, and it was because it was everyone who hears and puts these words into practice. 
hears and does. Hears and puts them into practice. And then we get to the next part. It says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And oh, how great was the crash. And what's the difference? Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount by saying, some of you are wise because you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice. And some of you are fools because you hear these words of mine and you do not put them into practice. And then he gives a foreshadowing here. He says, the wise man built his house upon the rock when the storms of life came against his marriage. When storms of life came and things were going on in his family with his kids and all those things, he stood firm because his foundation was on the rock because he did what the Lord had spoke to him to do. But then there was the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And when the rains came and when the, when the winds came up and blew a beat against that house, it fell with a crash because it had no firm foundation. Why? Because he heard it. He heard it. He was in church every week and heard it. But he did not put it into practice. He did not do. May we be hearers of the word and doers. And may God use our obedience to bless our marriages.